0: Greetings and welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. This podcast is all about providing clarity, insight, and encouragement for life and mission. And my name is Aaron Santemeyer, and I'm going to be your host. Today, we have the phenomenal opportunity to have our friend of the podcast, Dick Foth, with us back for a session of Back Channel with Foth. And then we jump into our interview with Ron Keast, where we talk about conflict and navigating conflict on a team. Dick, so excited to have you back with us today.
1: Excited to be back with you. Always a joy to be with Aaron.
0: Good deal, good deal, Dick. First question I have for you is: um, listener sent in as a leader, I sometimes need to change my position on something that I had been against. Have you ever encountered uh, something like this? And the second part, I can go ahead and ask. And we do, sure. he, They said, um, "How do you shift without losing
1: credibility with those you're leading?" So the, the short answer to the first question is yes. Okay. Change my. Position, Um, and and of course that's the challenge on taking positions on certain things, Hmm. and we're pressed right, left, and center today to take positions on myriad things, right? Right. So, uh, but the heart of how I think about this is, what is it that I am changing my position on? Okay, that is it a core value that I'm changing my position? Is it a theological understanding? Okay. I mean, there there are several cases in Scripture of people having to change their theological understanding. The primary one, of course, is the Apostle Paul. He, he was killing people like you and me and putting us in prison. <laughs> he had a certain <laughs> theological understanding. He was, yeah. you know, archetypal terrorist or whatever. Right. And... and and he was changed by this dramatic, transformational conversion experience. But um, my experience in quote changing positions tends to land in um, in in the area of methodology. Okay. And by that I mean in organizations, a uh, lot of times we affirm the mission or the vision, right? And and usually in an organization, the mission is carried by the board. okay, whomever that is, and their particular role is to select the leader for the entity and to maintain the mission, whatever that mission is stated. Okay. And then the vision for what's going to happen the next five years with that mission tends to land on the shoulders of the leader, right? Hmm. And so where I have found the most tension in variety of settings over the years both being part of it myself and observing it, is that we, you and I, can affirm the mission hundred percent. Okay. And then when we ask the question, "How are we going to do that?" the methodology of getting from A to B is what becomes the frustration point. Okay. Um, I had a long conversation, have several long conversations over the years about what is called the founder syndrome or a founder leads an organization and has a particular methodology that embodies the mission. And the next generation, the kids, the grandkids, whatever, come along and say, we want that, that core mission. Uh, Times have changed. We'd like to approach it a little different way and it generally doesn't go well. That's Mm -hmm. just how that. So, so I would say I have changed my position on methodologies uh, a number of times. Okay, And one of the greatest things to be able to say in that situation is, you know, I don't think what I originally thought is working here. It's not hmm. working. It isn't hmm. so much about right and wrong a lot of times as it's just not doing what I thought it was going to do. Okay. And so if we can't change... You know, I love the statement. Let's try this. If it doesn't work, we can always go back to what wasn't working before. And and, and, <laughs> and this and this idea of being able to uh, change a position uh, is, I think, I think it's the nature of life. Okay. Um, we we had, and for those of uh, the folks around the world who think of football as soccer, uh, I'm not. Uh, uh, I'm not speaking to that. I'm talking about American football here. But we just had the most incredible weekend of playoff football in my lifetime, where the average difference in the ending score was three and a half points after Oof. four quarters of playing. And, and three of the four games were won in the last three seconds. Hmm. And, and I watched these professional teams, these people who get paid millions of dollars, adjust virtually every play. Hmm. They adjust it because the name of the game is adjustment if you don't adjust. So for sure. I think on the, on the methodological side, we are always in the process of adjusting, uh, tracks. I wouldn't call it positions or trajectories in order to accomplish the mission.
0: Good word. Good word. Dick, always appreciate your wisdom and insight. Um, and, uh, answering listeners' questions. And we're going to go ahead and jump into our interview with Juan Keist and his our fascinating conversation with him about navigating conflict and um, his experience um, working in the business world and uh, in, in the church also. Well, there's no time better than now to get started. So here we go. So welcome back to the Clarity Podcast. So excited to be here today with a friend who I now understand has spent a little bit of time in West Virginia, Ron Keist, and I'm so excited to learn from him today. Ron, will you go ahead and just share a little bit about yourself before we jump into some of our subject matter today?
2: Well, uh, I've uh, the way I tend to introduce myself is I'm a thinker, I'm a writer, and I help people find their story, but that doesn't tell you a whole lot other than what I do uh, interestingly, I, I've got a, 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 a health professional background, trained as a pharmacist, but never practiced as a pharmacist, and then went on to a number of uh, administrative uh, opportunities in uh, crime laboratory administration and uh, drug enforcement, and then uh, wow. uh, for 35 years had my own consulting business uh, uh, and, um, and then also, uh, about 20 years ago, established, uh, the Institute for Spiritual Leadership Training. And, hmm. uh, and of course, uh, uh, that's, that's my passion. And yeah. uh, that's a lot of, uh, what I do, what I do mostly now is, is mentoring, uh, okay. and, um, the, uh, just being able to connect and, uh, build up and pour into, uh, uh, men that uh, I've been able to establish relationships with for sure I've uh, been married me? for uh, in, uh, in 10 months we've married for 60 years uh, wow. was uh, had, was uh, an elder in our church for over 30 years. Uh, I refer to myself as a civilian um, okay. in God's army uh, <laughs> I'm not a commissioned officer uh, I'm just a volunteer yeah. <laughs> sir I'm reporting for duty
0: Amen. Amen. Well, Ron, I'm so looking forward to learning from you um, today. And uh, we're going to be one of the first questions I have for you is about conflict management and resolution. And you shared that that can often become conflict manipulation. Um, Can you just share some of your wisdom and experience on that? And um, and some reasons conflict manipulation is dangerous and
2: toxic for ourselves and for those around us. Uh, uh Aaron, that's that's a great question. Yeah. Yeah. You know, when we address uh, conflict, you know, we like to immediately go to the techniques for, for managing uh, the stressful event. But if we don't address the root issues uh, resulting in conflict in me, hmm. then first, then too often what we do is, is not conflict management or even conflict resolution. Uh, it's just merely conflict manipulation to get my way. Wow. And, 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 Perhaps a, a good place to start is to admit conflict is really just about me winning, hmm. getting what I want, what I need, what I desire, what I require, what I demand, you know, uh, insisting for an outcome that benefits me. And, and we can put all the dressing we want around conflict, but the reality is in the end, uh, that human nature, that selfish human nature wants to win. And often uh I will assure winning by using whatever power and expending whatever escalating cost it may require to get my needs and my wants and my desires or my revenge met. Wow. And that's manipulation. Hmm. And, and when the issue is framed in me in terms of uh in, in me terms instead of we terms, then you can be assured the manipulation is on its way. Hmm. Um you can count on it. And too often I I think the idea of conflict resolution just becomes a nice way of just still getting my way. Hmm. So, you know, we we can put all the trappings around it. So here's the bottom line. Conflict is an inevitable human flesh tragedy with spiritual consequences. Hmm. And therefore in my humanness, I use my human nature, my human, my nature that is prone to sinning to win and Hmm. to survive and to conquer, hmm. and 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 that's manipulation, and it's designed to assure I win. Wow! And and so too often, when I find when we go into conflict, uh, <laughs> we turn off, unfortunately, that spiritual window, uh, that yeah. spiritual view, For sure. and and our survival nature takes over. Hmm. And and when that happens, the best that you can expect uh, is manipulation. Wow. Um, uh, you know, uh, for me, I, I, see the root of all conflict is found in our selfishness and in our selfishness then is found manipulation. Hmm. Broken people break people. Hmm. Wow. And, and, uh, so, but what if I didn't start this conflict? You know, yeah. in those situations, for me, it comes down to whether I'm going to react in my selfish human nature and and step into conflict, uh, which is too often my first reaction. And, and that leads directly to, again, to manipulation. I have to realize that I have a choice and I can choose to respond uh, by digging down deeper into my spiritual nature. And if I don't choose and, and react instead, then I just choose to, I choose the ditch uh, hmm. to get my way. Hmm. And that requires manipulation. Wow! Because when when I do it my way, yeah. we can uh, we can automatically assume that no matter how hard we try, the vehicle <laughs> that we're in yeah. is going to steer to the ditch.
0: Yeah. And, uh, and, how, and how does that impact other people, Ron? This the, that that manipulation when it's focused on myself. How does that impact other
2: people when I go into a, a situation? Well, you know, in my experience, what that does is, is that I go directly to their humanness
1: hmm. and I go
2: directly to their human selfishness. Hmm. And, and, and as a result, uh, you know, uh, we're both playing dirty right from the beginning. Okay. Wow. And, and so, uh, and when you get punched in the face, yeah, even though Jesus <laughs> says, <laughs> turn the other cheek, uh, uh, you know that human defensive survival reaction kicks in, and we've just declared the agenda. Wow. And so, if if I'm the one who's being offended, if I uh, uh, and you know I am the one who can choose maturity, yeah, spiritual maturity. Hmm. Then, uh, if I choose not to engage in conflict, hmm. then there is no conflict. Hmm. It's tension it's hostility, uh, it's uncomfortability, it's differences of opinion. But only when I choose to engage uh, uh, does conflict occur. So, um, you know, uh, we are all control freaks. Okay, Okay. that's our human nature. (laughs) So this is one place where we can use our control freak nature. And that is I choose to control the environment that I'm in by choosing uh, to not engage and to draw on my spiritual nature, not my human nature. Wow. Wow. That's good stuff. Very, very, very,
0: very, very, very good. Ron, you, one um, in our communication, you share that we 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 should be focusing on peace and reconciliation rather than focusing on conflict. Um, and how does the Bible and you've, what I've really appreciated your your emphasis on the spirit and the role of the spirit in, in this, in this subject matter we're talking about, can you just help us understand how we can focus on reconciliation, reconciliation and peace rather than just focusing on the conflict?
2: Wow. Uh, great question. I, To me, what it starts with is, again, choice. Uh, And we have a choice on whether we want to be peacemakers or peacekeepers. Hmm. Um, And what's the difference? Peacekeeping responds to the most immature person in the group, which is probably me. (laughs) (laughs) And, And so in peacekeeping, what I do is I respond and react and give in to the most immature person in the group. Okay, And peacekeeping always uh, ends up uh, unsatisfactory for Hmm. everybody, Hmm. because all we've done is we've accommodated, uh, we've ignored, uh, we've let the immature person have their way. uh, We've tried to keep peace in the room and now nobody's happy. Hmm. And so the alternative is peacemaking. And peacemaking now is is then our spiritual uh, our our spiritual choice, and and to me uh, the kind of the foundation for that is John fourteen seventeen, okay, uh, and you know Jesus said, peace I leave with you, and of course what he's saying is this is peace with God, hmm. but he says peace I live with you uh, I leave with you, uh, my peace I give you I do not give you as the world gives. And so, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. Wow. And so, what it starts with is, and I think we'll we'll talk about a little bit more. But this whole thing of, of 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 conflict resolution starts with first of all making peace with God, hmm. uh, and 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 so, and then out of that, then flows our capacity to create peace to uh, to to make peace with, with other individuals. Hmm. But what we've been trained to do is to be peacekeepers. And unfortunately in too many work environments and too many family situations, uh, we've been rewarded for being peacekeepers. Hmm. Um, uh, And and so um, uh, it's interesting. The United nation uh, has a peacekeeping force. That's what I was thinking about. Peacemaking (laughs) force. Uh, Yeah. And, in a uh, uh, um, uh, course that I was uh, asked to participate in for African leaders uh, uh, earlier in the year, uh, the question on, P- and he asked that question specifically from material that I'd sent him, uh, and he was from Ethiopia. Hmm. And, it, and he asked the question, could you distinguish between peacekeeping and peacemaking? And I thought, wow, talk about a relevant question for the moment. Yeah, for sure. For sure. For sure. (laughs) And so, um,
0: Ron, you mentioned that you you mentioned that it's unsatisfactory to everyone involved when we are involved in peacekeeping. What are, can you just go a little deeper on that?
2: Well, as I say, it, it starts with peacekeeping is trying to lower the, the volume of, uh, uh, what appears to be, you know, the feelings and the hmm. uh, and the tension within the room. The reality is that I have found is, is that the most effective leaders are able to capture tension and use it uh, hmm. as uh, an asset. Okay. But there's only one thing. The only way that I can use tension as an asset is if I have trust. Wow. And so uh, this, this comes back to uh, uh, I can't be a peacemaker hmm. unless, uh, I also have the capacity to establish trust. And that okay. is to, to be able for people to trust that I'm not going to take advantage of their vulnerability at the moment. Wow. Uh, and, and that's what most, you know, in, in, in most tension, uh, people come into the situation, uh, to a situation and they feel uh, somewhat unprotected. Okay. They don't have enough army. They don't have enough assets. They don't have enough uh, uh, money uh, yeah. to be, uh, in the sense, in chips and power chips, to be able to know that I'm going to win hmm. this uh, this conflict. And so, in that situation, uh, the tension immediately uh, moves to conflict. Okay. Because now uh, I'm protecting uh, what I fear I may lose. Hmm. But if I enter into a relationship and you trust me and i and you trust me to the point where you can lay all your chips out on the table okay and uh and you have complete trust that i'm not going to uh, seize them yeah then uh then we've got tension that the best ideas the best solutions the best unknown uh uh resolving uh, the best creativity uh, and the best relationships yeah always come from tension wow hmm. and hmm. and so you know good leaders are tension makers and they're trust keepers and they're trust keepers yeah wow you you know you put those two together yeah what a you know and uh, what a powerful relationship that you can have with someone for sure but you know what that's the relationship that i have with my father yeah my heavenly father Hmm. Hmm. He's for me and I trust him. He's going to push me. He's going to challenge me. He's going to tell me, stop it. (laughs) You can do better Yeah, because I've equipped you. Uh, I've given you your, my, my Holy spirit, Christ spirit. So stop it. And, 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 and I can trust him that he's not going to leave me or forsake me. That's good. Uh, That was, just as a side note, that was uh, the f- uh, one of the first promises hmm. that God made to His people, uh, our, to us in Genesis. Yeah, He said, "I will never leave you or forsake you." Hmm. And for me, upon that, yeah, everything in my faith is built. And the evidence of that yeah. is He created us in a flawed condition. And he gave us a savior. Wow, good word, good word,
0: Ron. And um, man, and so timely, timely for the the day and age we're we're living. Ron, one of the things you also share is the first step in finding peace in the midst of conflict is finding peace within ourselves. Um, what are some steps that we can take to begin that process of finding peace
2: with ourselves? Well, you know kind of as a continuation of, of, of what we've been talking about. There is no conflict unless I choose to engage in conflict. And, and if I don't defensively engage, uh, then um, the, uh, the, then we're, not, we're in tension, but we're not in hostility. And, and I think that uh, what happens is that we as we've been talking is, is that we have to realize that the source of all conflict resides in me. Not in the other individual, not even in the individual who is wanting to be abusive of me hmm. um and, and and when I mean abusive, I don't mean to the point of physical and the verbal abuse that's a whole different level uh that's a whole different in a sense set of conversations what i'm talking what well, when we're talking about conflict, uh, you know we're talking about the uh issues where we are. In, uh, and, and unfortunately, those verbal, those disagreeing kinds of points of view can lead to physical violence and verbal abuse. But that then reaches a whole different set of. Uh, but in, in this in this environment of, of tension and, and conflict of differences, uh, I, I think we have to continue to remind ourselves that all conflict has its origin in our own brokenness. And in our own woundedness, as I said before, uh, broken people break people. And if we don't own that reality, we'll find ourselves in a continuous state of conflict. Hmm. And and if we fail to vigorously and ruthlessly root out the vulnerabilities within me Hmm. caused by by my own blind spots and my own insecurities and less than unregulated needs, Then we'll find ourselves living uh, just simply ricocheting from one unsatisfactory relationship to another. Uh, And so what's the first step? Well, you know, it's obvious. uh, It's peace with God. Okay. And then doing everything possible to replicate that relationship in others. Hmm. We, I think, at times we think that this we've got this vertical relationship that has absolutely no connection to our horizontal relationship. Hmm. When in fact, um, um, you, you know, I I remember as a child, you know, my mother at times saying, uh, "Who do you think you are, God?" And uh, <laughs> you know, and I I wish that uh, I could say back to her now. Uh, well, mom, I, I try to be in my relationships <laughs> with other people, but I wasn't then either. Right. <laughs> but, uh, but if we're to be like Jesus, then we start uh, first by dealing with our own selfishness found in our rebellious human spirit. Okay. And we root out that which, uh, which Christ does not have. Yeah. And we know that in John 14, we've been given uh, help through his Holy Spirit. Hmm. That's the point. Yeah. I'm broken. I'm not complete. I can't be righteous on my own. I can't have healthy whole relationships with other people just be on relying on my own selfish human nature. Hmm. I need the Holy spirit, uh, hmm. to, to build those relationships and to keep them whole and wholesome. And so we have to allow the Holy spirit to have a dominion. So, um, what what are some steps maybe, you know? Uh, well, first, you know, as we've been talking, I think we start with personal peace. Okay. And, and we take on for, uh, you know, I, I think we need to take on a contemplative discipline. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, for many, we've lost the value in the practice of a contemplative life. And, and for me, personal peace starts with personal forgiveness. And that doesn't mean that I don't take responsibility for the harm I've done. But I have to make peace with myself hmm. within before I can make peace without. Yeah, it's good. Word. You know, I mean, it's, you go, wow, that's kind of simple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it is. I hope it is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, and the, I think in the core of peace is found forgiveness, hmm. and it's hard to forgive others, and it's hard to accept an offer of forgiveness when we can't even do that with ourselves. Wow. It's good. uh you know peace with others starts in my core hmm. and 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 i also try to be disciplined in the practice of lectio divina you know okay. it, that ancient practice of divine reading um yeah. so uh we started with personal peace uh, in our inner being and now let's you know now let's address our emotions okay. um in our outer temporal being and and um according to much, I think, of our emotional woundedness, you know, comes out of my chronic state of anxiety. Hmm. And, and anxiety is our, our human response to our sense of a lack of control. Okay. And so we've got this, this, uh, these issues of our being at peace with ourselves. Mm-hmm. But then we've got this, this, this outer shell uh, involving our human emotions in the brain. Uh, in which we are just anxious and uh, our, our selfishness uh, just control freak nature continues to demand to be in control and, and to take over. And, um, then, um, I think the next thing those are easy of course you get those done real quick you know and then then we can move on to the to the real hard part
0: <laughs> those are I was going there's a, there's Yeah a, yeah right yeah, yeah. exactly anyway, and then
2: I think we kind of make grace and humility our brand wow the maker's mark hmm you know when you know you look at great furniture and you always find the maker's mark somewhere yeah. you know branded into that furniture Yeah, and i want my maker's mark uh you know that that brand uh that uh, to be what i'm known by uh hmm. that i'm a child of god hmm. and and instead of hiding it in my conflict okay <laughs> and hoping that they don't discover that i'm a christ <laughs> follower uh in the way that i've behaved and um So I, you know, I would encourage your listeners to to practice getting self out of the way by addressing personal insecurities. Okay. uh, Your need for approval, Hmm. your fear of rejection. Okay. Your need to be right. Okay. And your fear of being wrong. Wow. You know? Yeah. Uh, if you just <laughs> yeah. if you just take those, <laughs> yeah. that's a lot of that's that's a lot of work. You you got a day's work there, uh, yeah, at least. yeah, yeah. So so I start with looking in, seeking personal peace, and then I take on a full. I try to take on a full mantle of humility, okay, uh, internally and externally, and in in humility, when I've failed uh, my peace mandate, I've got to be able to say to the person where I've allowed self to, to get into the conversation. I'm so sorry for the things that I know and the things I don't know about me that contributed to this. Wow. You know, please forgive me for my humanness. Hmm. Um, I was right on the edge of conflict with a dear friend of mine earlier this year. And in our process of reconciliation, This was the first time I used this term. And I thought, wow. Uh, But, you know, and it just came to me. You know, I said, uh, Jim, please forgive me in my humanness. Hmm. Because that's what hurt. Yeah, that's what caused the uh, it it wasn't. Please, uh, please forgive me because of my spiritual being. (laughs) (laughs) Come on. Yeah. yeah, it's my humanness. Uh, and, and uh, would, uh, it, you know, and then would you help me to learn more about me in this process of reconciliation? Wow. Yeah. Humbling. Yeah. Humbling ourselves. It takes a is, lot. Of- is you know, uh, humbling. You don't get humility. Uh, you don't get humility unless you humble yourself. Yeah. And for most of us, we don't get humble unless we experience humiliation. It's true. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) So, you know, uh, so anyway. um, Yeah.
0: Ron, that that idea of fear of being wrong. Do you think that that sometimes drives conflict that we're, we're afraid of being wrong?
2: Oh, absolutely. I'm, I'm I was I was absolutely right on that. What do you mean? Uh,
0: are, are you challenging me on that question? Is that what you're doing? I'm just that was the one that resonates that's the one that resonates with me. I think a lot oh, of it, yeah. a lot of anxiety in me is um feeling like I have to have the right answer at the right time in the right place. And then if the answer I give is not is not perceived as right, then I think that's where the conflict arises in me because then I as you say out of my humanness, um I want to defend
2: that, you know, that I there's no way I could be wrong. Does that, does that make right. any sense at all? It it does. And, and, you know, what I found is the problem and, and I tend to be uh, oriented more that way. Uh, what I did, a good friend of mine, uh, uh retired missionary pointed out to me uh, that um, 80% uh, in the, uh, uh, in the disc test, uh, okay. about 73% of people are feelers. Hmm. And so if our feeling, if, if our fear is about being wrong, yeah. we're in the minority hmm. and we're trying to convince people that I'm right when all they care about is relationship. Am I still in your pack? Yeah. Am I still, uh, and, because their fear is about rejection. Okay. And so here we are <clears throat> uh, uh, all wrapped up in our fear of somebody thinking that we're wrong Yeah. And, and, um, and most other people, and we're trying to convince them that we're right. Right. And in doing that, all we're doing is making distance from wow. their relationship.
0: Wow. That's very insightful. <laughs> yeah. Very, very insightful. Very, very <laughs> insightful. Yeah. You, you, you shared a little bit when there in the introduction about the the ministry you're involved in. Um, can you share one of the things you, you, you mentioned was the importance of a coach and mentor when it comes to burnout and then that connection between burnout and the resulting conflict. Um, can you share about your experience of the, the importance of a coach and mentor? In that? Oh
2: man. I, well, for one thing, I never had one uh, for a long time. My father died when I was 23. Um, um and and did not uh, uh the way we, just because geographically and family and family didn't have any adult uh males in my life uh, uh literally at all uh, after my father died and and so uh i've become a very uh passionate in this area primarily and, and a lot of people do this because yeah. of what you didn't have in your own life Hmm. Uh, But what I know for me through the years is is that I'm not safe as a one-person game. Okay. I need others. I need a community to help me. Uh, I need help to correct my self-justifying motives and to help me more accurately reframe circumstances. Um, uh, because I just just self-justify uh, when yeah. I'm uh, by myself. I know nobody else does this, but <laughs> this, this is just uh, my my revelation uh, to you. I, I need to I need others to help force me to take ownership for my own selfish behaviors and to and to remind me of scripture and disciplines and and practices and yeah, that's called discipling. Hmm. That's hmm. called a mentor, and that's called a coach. And and for me, um, a lot of that comes from my my wife of almost 60 years uh, and who's been the love of my life for almost 65 years. And, and, uh, but I also have some, just some really close friends of over 50 years and, and, and friends of 20 years. And, and one of my, my closest friends that I was been his life coach and he's poured into me uh, that I think maybe some of your listeners know is Craig Matheson. Hmm. And I've known Craig, uh, since, uh, he was, uh, um, uh, working at, uh, at a hardware store, uh, in Olympia and, okay. and I was just a little bit older than him. And, yeah. and so, and we have been that we we've had that relationship through the years. I need encouragers. You need encouragers. Uh, oh. I need a person who calls me to correction. And so, uh, What I found, though, is, is that what we tend to do is, is we've created artificial specialties. So Hmm. we've created coaches. uh, And then we've created mentors. Okay. And then we've created disciples. Okay. And, you know, for me, and I guess maybe just for me, but maybe for others, uh, what I find is, uh, I'm a utility player. And, and what happens is, is that, uh the relationship many times starts uh, maybe in a coaching relationship where they have something in me uh, that's in me that they yeah. need. And, and I'm there to draw it out. Yeah. Uh But I, in a sense, it's their agenda and yeah. it's a client short-term kind of a thing, but man, I, I always pick up straight puppies in the pound and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, and I don't know of anybody I've coached, uh, well, there's only been a few that I've coached, started coaching that I just haven't, we just haven't picked up that relationship for lifelong. Yeah. Uh, and, um, another relationship like that, it, just as an example is, uh, dear, dear friend, uh, Larry Henderson hmm. and Larry and I have, uh, had this, uh, special yeah. relationship for probably close to 15 years what wow. started when he was a missionary in the canary islands okay and and larry and i uh uh every 45 days or so uh we yeah. get together and we talk and 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 i'm not sure you know uh, whether when it's coaching uh when it's just friends uh, when yeah. it's mentoring i know that he comes with an agenda when we yeah. talk but here's the amazing thing, uh, about mentoring and coaching is, is that with this, the miracle, of, I don't know, you can call it a miracle. it's not a miracle, but zoom yeah <laughs> with, with, uh, with, uh, Larry and I, as close as we are and, and we are about as close as you can get. We've only physically met twice. Wow.
0: Yeah. Miracle. And, for and
2: yet, uh, but this, 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 uh, uh this this mentoring uh coaching relationship um is is um is so critical and, and this is what's become as I, I i as i refer to it in my seniority okay. uh, <laughs> this is where uh, i've spent uh, most of my time now i've got a group of about seven men uh some as uh, new believers some as extremely experienced uh mm-hmm. Uh, leaders uh, and, and in between. And this is my life. Uh, This is uh, because it's, it's, and it's the most inefficient thing you'll ever do. And that is to mentor (laughs) because I only got about seven or eight that I've got bandwidth for. You know, yeah. I, wouldn't it be nice if you could do seven or eight hundred, you know, yeah. and, and change the world yeah. and, and all of yeah. that. And yeah. all I'm doing is, is trying to add value to one man's life yeah. at a time. Yeah. And, you know, in, and again, in my seniority and after a little bit of that ambition has finally uh, eroded away, uh, I, I'm i very content yeah. uh, with being able to be pleased with uh, just Being present. Yeah. Instead of being the president. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Very good. Very good. Ron, I got, we got time for one more question. I think if you're open to it, we need to invite you back. We talk, we've not gotten into the techniques of conflict, um, but I have one more question and maybe we could do a uh, follow-up podcast episode and we could get into some techniques. Would you be willing to do that? Oh, I'd
2: love to. I'd love to.
0: All right. Well, one last question for you for tonight. Um, You mentioned that your favorite mantra is one of the great tragedies of life is to have an experience and miss the meaning of it. How can we find meaning in the modes of in the midst of woundedness that comes from conflict and then this area of
2: conflict? It's hard uh, because as we've talked about, because of our self-justifying nature, uh, we want to be the victim. Uh, we want to be uh, the victor. <laughs> uh, we, uh, but the last thing we want to be, of course, is the perpetrator. Yeah. And and uh, and so in that, we get into uh, this combat mode uh, where we're trying to figure out how we're going to get through this battle and how we're going to win and all of that. And and yet, in the midst of that, what we've got to do is this is ripe opportunity. Hmm. To learn so much about myself hmm. and about others, hmm. and uh, most importantly, to learn more about how God uh, pours Himself into all of us in the you know in in the middle of this, and and so whether it's conflict or or whether it's other things, and I just it, for me it, it's a little easier because I happen to be wired as an intuitor. Okay. And, you know, some people are feelers and there. And, and the primary question is, how am I feeling right now? Uh, am, am I in the pack? Am I out of the pack? Uh, yeah. You know, Am I going to be rejected or whatever? And of course, guys like you, uh, you know, thinking, man, I hope I I hope I'm right. Uh, man, I got to be right on this. Uh, I've done all my studies and I've got all my facts and I got yeah. all the logic. I got to be right. You know, yeah. And and then there's uh, and then and then there's sensors and then they're going wow look at this look at this argument isn't this fun man yeah, yeah. <laughs> this is energizing yeah and then there's the intuitor who sits back and goes hmm, hmm. <laughs> and, and I'm I tend to be more wired uh, as, as an intuitor. and so I it's a little bit easier but I, I encourage all of us you know to be able to step in uh, step out of the situation and what I tend to do. Is uh, it's you know, not an out of body experience, but a kind right. of an out of mind experience where I look at the situation and then I pull myself out and I see myself in the other individual or the circumstance in there, and I'm beginning to ask the question, uh, what's the meaning behind this? Hmm. Uh, and there is. Because of my background, uh, I spent ten years uh, administering, uh, well, developing and then uh, from scratch, and then administering uh, our state crime laboratory, and and that training, uh, you know, helped me to to see that uh, that uh, that the motive and the commission and the evidence and the conviction of a crime are sequential, but they're not necessarily a straight line uh, based on. Found evidence hmm. that there's something so many times behind what appears to be the evidence. Hmm. And, and, you know, and as a trained health professional, and, and you do the same thing as uh, as a trained health professional, is you know that everything in life, uh, in human life is interconnected and interdependent. Yeah. Yeah. And, a, and when a dysfunction is happening in one place in the body, its cause may be somewhere else and affecting something else as well. Sure. And so uh, to to have this reflective um, discipline, mm-hmm. and, and it, it's what it is, it, it, it requires a reflective discipline to, to step back and, and ask the question um, what's going on here. Yeah. And then more importantly is ask the question, God, what are you doing here? Yeah. And not, what are you doing here? Like you just showed up, you know, he was there before I was right. Uh, But what are, what are you up to? Uh, And, and, and and that then takes me back to scripture. Yeah. Because when you ask the question, God, what are you up to? Yeah. The answers are already there. Okay. Uh, God is not mysterious in his intentions. Yeah. He may be mysterious in his methods. Yeah but is not mysterious in his intentions. For sure. And, and so is to reflect back. Uh, and, and so what I've done uh, just as a uh, as a development skill, I guess, yeah. or a practice, and I would encourage maybe uh, your listeners to, to think about this, is start reading <laughs> the news feed uh, on the internet okay. uh, from a different perspective. Instead of reading it as a consumer of news, read it uh, from the point of, What's the meaning? What's going on? What's going on behind the news? Hmm. What's happening here? Hmm. Why is this happening? Hmm. Uh, what uh, what caused human nature? What caused? Uh, but but uh, again, to, to take that crime laboratory kind yeah. of approach that goes, okay, here's the evidence. Yeah. So what does all this evidence mean? Wow. Uh, and, 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 and to, to search for, uh, you know, in a sense, the, uh, the answer of God, what are you up to here? Yeah. Uh, and, and, and what it does is then it, for me, rather than learning scripture linearly, which is okay. helpful, yeah I, I, it helps me to learn, uh, scripture thematically. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and in there that I find this meaning because we know that, uh, uh, that we look at, there are these big ideas mm-hmm. or big intentions, big purposes that we find in scripture that, that Paul explains, uh, mm-hmm. that, uh, that the old Testament, uh, gives preface, uh, and right. introduces, and then, you know, there is the centerpiece, the gospels, right. And, and so, uh, what is it that, uh, that you're up to that I get to be a part of? Yeah. And, and so, uh, in that, uh, it, it causes me to be more reflective. Yeah. Um, it causes me to be less self-justifying. Hmm. It causes me to be less blaming. Okay. Uh, because, uh, you read the news and you go, well, you idiot. Uh, well, you shouldn't have done that. Well, you know, obviously there's sin in your life. Uh sure. And you uh, know, and to be able to step back and be reflective. Uh, yeah. I think uh uh for me uh it, it's kind of a progression. Uh information uh leads to knowledge. Hmm. Uh knowledge uh leads uh, uh to um, uh, um, in a sense reflection. And mm-hmm. insight and then insight finally leads to wisdom yeah and, and then point you point. take uh you know the 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 created wisdom of the brain yeah and you you merge that with the godly wisdom that comes from the holy spirit yeah and and then uh you're ready <laughs> to be able to walk into that room and engage in a difference of ideas yeah for sure <laughs> for sure call attention attention <laughs> <laughs> Ron,
0: it has been a joy to spend some time with you today. And um, I look forward to having you back and we'll jump into some of the techniques. And I love to go a little deeper in on this idea of tension and as leaders, how we can walk in tension and um, harvest it for, for all it's worth. Well, will you pray for us tonight, Ron, that, um, people, uh, that what we hear, what the listeners have heard, they we will put into action.
2: Uh, Lord... Uh, well, what a privilege it is for us to to come together and reason, uh to to talk and to share and, and to um uh to open our our hearts and our minds, uh our brains uh to Lord, what you want us to understand and know. And so in this time and, and for all those who are who are listening to this podcast, Lord, there are issues of conflict. There are issues of tension. There are issues of uh, our own brokenness and our own woundedness uh, that all have to be addressed. And and all we know that in the end that we can search wherever we want, uh, but the answer is in you. And, and, and so, Lord, um, in all circumstances, Lord, I just pray that when we, when we find ourselves without the answers, without the solutions, and without the relationships that we want, that it just reminds us of how badly we need you—operative uh, and, and vital and alive and in, in, in our lives. Lord, just a blessing and uh, over all of those who are in ministry that hear this message. Uh, we just, I just pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.